Hi, I'm Sean Stanley, head of the Globe Content Studio at the Globe and Mail. I'm also host of a new podcast called Industry Interrupted. We're looking at how traditional business sectors are being disrupted. From law to agriculture to finance, what's forcing change in these industries? And what does it mean for the Canadian economy and you as a consumer? Find the latest episodes of Industry Interrupted on your favourite podcast platform. Welcome to The Risk Takers, a podcast about small business by The Globe and Mail. I'm Sarah Efron, and over the coming weeks, we're bringing you stories of entrepreneurs who risk everything for their businesses. Today, we'll hear from Jen Evans of Squeeze CMM and Andrew Holden of Weaver Apps. Like many entrepreneurs, they faced some harsh realities when they found themselves with one foot in the grave, their businesses nearly dead. I do have a very strong mental picture of my poor dog walking around the dump with my partner. (laughs) It was not a good day. For Jen Evans, that foot in the grave was actually two feet in the dump. Yes, at the low point in her entrepreneurial journey, she found herself sifting through actual garbage at an actual Toronto garbage dump. I haven't even told you the worst part. But let's back up. When Jen started out, things were a lot rosier. I was working for Robert Herjavec from uh, Dragon's Den and Shark Tank and Dancing with the Stars um, at a network security business and uh, got my start with him and realized that this digital thing was going to be big. And so I started an agency and it was a creative agency. We were active in basically the digital marketing space very early on. I think Google had just started. So in the early days of the internet marketing world we know today, Jen started a creative agency focused on businesses selling to other businesses, B2B. But remember, this was pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter. We really started out with uh, email. With one of our customers, we built a 40,000-person opt-in list within two years. So they had no customers and prospects on their email list. And within two years, 40,000 people. Business was good. Jen was getting results for her customers, and her timing couldn't have been better. Grew it to about 20 employees, uh, about $3 million a year in revenue when it hit its peak. But here's where things start to get tricky. Some of Jen's biggest customers started asking questions she couldn't answer. One of our customers was Bell. We did a case study on the Vancouver Olympics, the infrastructure that they built. So we would build those content assets for them. And they came to us at one point, actually, I think uh, this was back in 2007, and said, how do we know if this is actually working? And we said, well, your web traffic data should tell you. And they said, yes, it tells us traffic, but it doesn't tell us whether the content is working. The content that Jen's talking about is intended to draw in potential customers. And companies like Bell could see that people were clicking on the web pages and downloading the reports. But what they couldn't see is whether those prospective customers were actually doing anything beyond that like joining an email list or buying something. That part just wasn't being measured. There was a gap, and entrepreneurs love a gap. So we realized there was a business opportunity, and we built the product then, um, and we had one or two customers using it, and we thought, well, if we've got one or two customers using it, surely this is something we can commercialize and take to a wider audience. Jen decided to shift her company from making content to making software that measures whether or not content is doing its job. And at the time, this seemed like a safe bet. More and more companies were getting into content creation, and the prices Jen could charge for those services were dropping. 
And so in 2010, we made a pretty big bet on, on that as the core direction of the company. And this is when the troubles started. The company was spending a lot on developing their new software, while revenue on the content side dried up. And when we kind of focused on that business, we took our eye off of the services business, which had been our bread and butter, and it kept us going. And the market for the new software, content marketing measurement, wasn't really materializing the way Jen had hoped. It just, it took a lot longer than we were expecting. And, you know, at that point, the only option for us was to keep going. But of course, bad things happen when you keep going despite slumping revenues and increasing costs. The business took on some debt. That made it difficult for us to do things like meet payroll. And, you know, we were really confident we were on the verge of raising money. And then we found out that because of the amount of debt we'd taken on, that it was going to be almost impossible for us to raise money at that point. So we basically dug our own hole. Without an investor to extend their runway and give the market time to catch up, they were in serious trouble. There's frustration from your business partners. There's frustration from your employees because they can't really figure out exactly what's going on. You're lying awake at night, night after night after night, wondering how am I going to get myself out of this situation? How much money do we need to get to the next hurdle? And it was very, very, very difficult. Jen started putting more and more of her own money into the business just to make payroll. And that had some pretty serious consequences at home. So over the course of about six months, I would kind of lull myself to sleep at night by listening to the sound of the fridge. And I started realizing that the motor was getting louder and louder and louder. And then one night it just stopped. And uh, we literally did not have enough money to replace our fridge. So it was February and we kept our food outside. And it gets worse from here. Part of the debt Jen had accrued during this time was a line of credit secured by her home. But unable to make regular payments, she was forced to sell the house. Somehow, Jen sees a silver lining to all of this. This is probably something only an entrepreneur would say, but it gave us a little bit of operating capital for the business for a while. <laughs> so uh, we sold the house. We moved on February the 2nd, 2014, I think it was. And we were pretty frazzled, you know, we're, we're in a pretty stressful situation and we were not paying particularly close attention to what the movers were doing. And the movers put the keep stuff in the throwaway pile and the throwaway stuff in the keep pile and threw away the keep pile. And we literally went down to the dump at the end of Cherry Beach. There's a, there's a dump out there and that's where they had taken everything. And we ended up going through and trying to find everything and we were unsuccessful. We were pretty upset. <laughs> we found a couple of things, but that was about it. We lost all of our possessions. I probably had a hundred belongings at the end of that day. Um, all of my clothes, all of my books, my childhood memories, all of it was gone. And uh, it was very strange to me, actually. I, After getting over the emotional shock and just saying to myself, they're just things and you have to let them go, it was very liberating to suddenly not have a lot of stuff. But Jen persevered. She and her partner moved into a sparsely furnished apartment, and the money from the sale of their house helped the company get through its cash flow crunch. Now, just a couple of years after that horrible day at the dump, Jen's sacrifices are paying off. The content measurement idea she invested in is starting to get traction. 
we had a great year. We uh, did about a 10 times increase in revenue over the year before. It's kind of hard to see shifts in the market, right? Like it, it used to be that when I was explaining Squeeze CMM to people, it was a half hour conversation. And by the end of it, most of their eyes were glazing over. Now, when I start to explain it, they're like, I need that. That's a much better, faster, easier direction to sell against than somebody who's like, like, lady, I literally don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So that's what's changed. (laughs) You know, there have been moments where I've been in the depths of despair for a really long time and just saw no way that this was actually going to happen. Everybody goes through the dark night of the entrepreneur, if not the dark year of the entrepreneur. You just have to keep having faith in yourself and keep going because so many people got so close to success and then quit just before they actually made it. And it may seem crazy sometimes to keep going and there may be people around you telling you to stop. And that's certainly been my experience, but I am very glad I did not give up. Today, Jen's software, Squeeze CMM, is selling for more than 30 times the original price. And the content side of the business, B2B News Network, has expanded offerings like graphic novels explaining complex concepts for huge clients like SAP. Oh, and Jenna's also now the proud owner of a functioning refrigerator. For Jen Evans, jumping on an opportunity too soon led her down the path to near destruction. But quickly jumping on an opportunity can also open doors for entrepreneurs. Like when Andrew Holden was working for a Hamilton-based web design company and it went out of business. Andrew saw an opportunity there and jumped at it. I borrowed a car and went to Toronto, where all of our clients were. And I spent the day asking and begging and doing whatever I could to get the clients that had been with that company to, to sign up with my new little company called Holden Creative. And by the end of the day, I had every client that the company had previously. So suddenly I had my first real small business and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Overnight, Andrew had become an entrepreneur, and pretty soon, he saw another opportunity. This was 2010, iPhones were gaining popularity, and Apple had just been awarded a trademark for the phrase, there's an app for that. All of our clients wanted apps. Apps were super cool. And Andrew's web design clients, mostly small businesses and nonprofits, wanted an app for them. But there was just one problem. There was no way that they could afford to buy like a proper app. So like Jen Evans, Andrew and his partner saw a need and decided to fill it. They created software that would take their clients' existing websites and automatically crunch them into smartphone-ready web apps. And suddenly, they'll have an app. It was really, really exciting. And at the time, it was easy to parlay that excitement and this magical new technology into investment and sales. Weaver Apps was born. We had thousands, maybe even tens of thousands, of customers within our first year. Like, we're going to be so rich. We're going to be famous for inventing this cool technology. We're on the front page of the paper. People say, oh, these guys are really passionate. You know, okay. Um, It doesn't mean we're good at business. It turns out that something that's exciting to entrepreneurs, investors, and the media isn't necessarily all that exciting to customers. Really, all it did was make your website a little bit more usable. And if you're not solving big problems, it's hard to make big bucks. It might be worth maybe 10 bucks a month, maybe 30 bucks a month, but it wasn't the kind of thing that had to get done. The business case just, it just wasn't there. In fact, 
every customer we added, it cost us money because getting people up to speed using a new technology and helping them um, use it with their customers in a way that's valuable is actually a lot of effort. So although we were making a lot of sales and we were getting a lot of customers, every customer we added actually cost us more money. I remember waking up in the morning and sort of staring at the ceiling and going, this isn't going to last. Like, we're going to run out of money very soon. And I'm going to have to tell people that they've lost their jobs. I'm going to have to tell all the amazing people in Hamilton that supported this business and, you know, for our customers or gave us some free publicity or recommended us. We were letting everybody down. And that dream, you just sort of felt it dying a little every day of being this big, successful company. And again, like for Jen Evans, the most difficult part of being in a major cash flow crunch was not being able to make payroll. We had a number of times where the founders hadn't been paid in, uh, I want to say, weeks, if not months, and where we even had to ask our employees, this, hey, can we wait a couple of weeks to pay you because we don't have any money right now. So how do you dig yourself out of the entrepreneurial grave when things look so dire? What Andrew and his partners did was take a hard look at which customers valued their service most. We stepped back and we looked at what was actually working. We looked at a few of our customers' apps and we looked at the ones that actually mattered the most to them. If that app didn't work or that app went offline, when did we hear about it? Did we hear about it days later because, oh, sometimes they check the site on their smartphone and it's supposed to look this way? Or did we hear about it in like a few minutes because they needed to have that thing online? And the ones that were a few minutes were ones that were mobile forms. Mostly small businesses, but companies that had lots of people in the field and they needed to get data from the field, whether they were meeting with a customer or doing a safety inspection or doing a quality check or something like that, they needed to get that information back into the main office as quickly as they could. A customer that actually notices and responds when your service stops working is a customer worth keeping and cultivating. So Andrew and his team refocused on solving problems for these, their most engaged customers. We decided, okay, we're going to make a form builder. So that was sort of our first step in changing from a company that was more about sort of marketing and creating cool-looking, flashy apps to um, a company that was more focused on helping our customers get things done day to day. So it was a, a big change for us. Slowly, they started selling the new solution to local companies and worked their way up to bigger and bigger clients, companies like 3M, Unilever, and Xerox. The funny thing with this is when we had a product that was cool, but maybe not that valuable for helping people get things done, just to get a sale or to get somebody to sign on was an enormous amount of effort. But now that we have a product that helps people solve problems that are super annoying, like dealing with lots of paperwork, not knowing where it is, not knowing who's doing what, people hate that, right? So when you have a product that addresses those kind of problems, you get customers more willing to seek you out. And if you can do a good job of it, then they're very happy to sort of champion you and tell you know their boss about you. So it's, it's been good that way. And I know that um, the other founders who still work here, we don't take it for granted either. We still feel very lucky 
that we were able to, to get through the hard times and, and ultimately be very successful. We're, we're doing very well these days. Um, yeah, actually, I ordered a cake this morning. I haven't told the team. And doing this interview sort of said, no, you know what? Things are going well. I should order a cake. So now we get to do things like order cakes for no particular reason. I'm not saying that like life's a luxury and everything's easy, but the mood's definitely better. There's cake. That's it for the risk takers back from the grave. Thanks to Jen Evans of Squeeze CMM and B2B News Network and Andrew Holden of Weaver Apps for sharing their stories. The Risk Takers is produced by J.P. Davidson and myself, Sarah Efron. The music by Prince Innocence. Thanks this week to Ella Fetter for her recording and interviewing help. For more small business stories, check out tgam.ca slash smallbusiness. You can also sign up for a free weekly small business newsletter at tgam.ca slash newsletter signup. For more risk takers, subscribe wherever you download podcasts. And if you like the show, tell a friend or review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. To discuss this episode on Twitter, use the hashtag TheRiskTakers. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with more risk takers next week. 